0: Greetings friends, and welcome to Shouting at Dice the Dragon Heist! My name is Matt German and I'll be your Dungeon Master for the evening. Playing with me are Penny German as Kara Stonesmith a dwarf fighter with a propensity for the drink and leaping off tables, Jordan Dietz as Alara, an Aesimar cleric with a rough childhood and rusty social skills, Chris Sturdy as a Kese, a minotaur druid with a horrific past and a tendency to get tangled up in adventures and low-hanging decorations, and Peyton Cogner as Azrath, a dragon paladin with a no-nonsense demeanor and armor with one too many gaps." Um, Unfortunately, there was an error in recording sessions 2 and 3, and the audio is completely unusable, Uh, so bear with me as I try to sum up the events of these sessions here. Um, After defeating the Kenku and refinding Rainer Neverember, Carr explored the lower level of the warehouse for a bit, but found nothing else of interest, then took watch at the warehouse door while the group took a rest. There, she spotted a contingent of City Watch soldiers heading their way. Before her heroes could boogie, the Watch arrived to investigate reports of suspicious activity. Raynor explained the events of the evening to the Watch, telling them that the zentarum had jumped him and Floon and were interrogating them when several members of the Xanathar's Guild broke in and killed the Zents. In the chaos, Raynor hid away and the Kenkus of Xanathar's Guild took Floon. The captain of the city watch on duty, Hyustus Staget, briefly questioned the characters while his officers investigated the scene. Afterwards, he determined that Raynor's story held up and that the characters are innocent of any wrongdoing. Akizi, Azaratha Alara, and Kara then instructed Raynor to head to the yawning portal to report their progress to Volo while they departed to the sewers to track down Flume. The group wandered around in the sewers until they started finding symbols drawn on the walls in yellow chalk. The party determined that these symbols, uh, palm-sized circles with ten equidistant spokes radiating out from their circumference, were stylized symbols of the Xanathar guild and with that as a lead, it followed the markings through the labyrinthian sewer system. Eventually, our adventurers came upon a gazer, a small bulbous creature with a single large eye and four smaller ones at the end of stubby stalks, acting as a sentry. The party quickly dispatched it without much issue and continued down the path it was guarding, finally coming to what they deemed was one of the guild's hideouts. The first challenge they faced was a pair of arrow slits on either side of the wall. Akizi polymorphed into a spider to investigate, and discovered a goblin behind each, sleeping soundly. However, when our heroes attempted to sneak path, Azerath slipped on some of the sewer sludge and woke the guards. A quick yet troublesome fight ensued, but Handley saw the four intruders victorious. They continued through the lair until coming into a large sleeping area where a Dwerger, a gray-skinned dwarf-like creature, and two humans were barricading a door on the opposite side. One of the humans, the group recognized, was the thug that had started the bar brawl with Yagra earlier that day. Deciding that stealth wasn't really working in their favor, our heroes attacked. The Dwerger immediately used his ability to grow in size, but was then promptly killed by Alara's Inflict Wounds spell. Uh, she rolled a nat 20 and I decided to allow crit- critical hits on magic. Uh, almost immediately upon seeing, the grisly sight of their strongest member reduced to a puddle of flesh. The two thugs escaped out a third door, but not before taking some damage from Akizi and the rest. Kara and Alara then briefly investigated the door that was being barricaded, and upon finding a lavatory with a gray ooze inside, quickly rebarricaded the door, and the four followed after the thugs. It was in this next room that they finally found Floon. The poor man was being beaten mercilessly by a half-orc spellcaster while a nightmarish creature with wide eyes, rubbery purple skin, and four tentacles encircling its human mouth watched. This creature, a mind flayer, casually observed the display while gently stroking what looked like a disembodied brain with feet. The thugs who had escaped were desperately trying to gain the attention of the half-orc to warn them about the intruders, but it mattered little. Upon the intrusion, the mind flayer let loose his pet, an intellect devourer, and casually instructed the half-orc, Groomshar, to deal with the interlopers before exiting the chamber. A vicious battle erupted between our adventurers and the Xanathar Guild's cronies. Kara led the charge by attacking Groomshar and downing him in one swing, but due to his orc heritage, he barely held on to life. Ellara quickly rushed into aid, but couldn't land a hit on him. Azareth joined his friends, but to, not to fight Groomshar, but to attempt to ward off the Intellect Devourer as it attacked Kara. Unfortunately, this put all three of them in a tight group, and Groomshar used the opportunity to cast burning hands on the lot of them. The devastating attack saw a plume of fire radiate out from the wizard's outstretched hands to engulf Azerath and Alara. Kara narrowly avoided the spell, getting nothing more than singed. Uh, She retaliated by cutting off his hands in one fell swoop and kicking his body to the ground, but the damage from his final attack had been done, and the flames dispersed to reveal Azerath and Alara dying on the floor. Meanwhile, Akizi attempted to take on the two thugs by herself and was locked in a two-on-one struggle that proved to be her match, and she could only watch helplessly in between attacks as half her party fell in battle. Things turned from bad to worse then, and the Intellect Devourer scuttled over to Azeroth's body and began the process of magically eating his brain. A psychic contest of wills ensued between the two, and after what seemed like an eternity to Azeroth... The monster's brain beat him out and Azerath's consciousness faded from the mortal plane. The Devourer, now inside Azerath's body, decided to continue its straightforward mission and began to savagely and recklessly attack Kara. Conflicted between survival and not wanting to hurt her friend, Kara attempted to restrain Azerath, but the Dragonborn's armor and raw strength made her attempts fruitless, and Azerath drove her down and pinned her behind her shield in a series of ruthless attacks meant to kill. Desperate to finish her fight, Ikizi finally put down the lead thug, knocking him unconscious and taking the opportunity to do the same to the other when he tried to escape. She then rushed to Alara's side and cast Cure Wounds on her, bringing her back from the brink of death. The free friends were then finally able to overpower and stop their possessed paladin friend, knocking him out as well. Having barely survived, the group decided to bring the beaten and battered Floon and the unconscious Azarath back to the yawning portal, leaving the two thugs behind. When they returned, Volo quickly enlisted the help of a cleric residing in the tavern to cast protection from evil and good on Azeroth to rid him of the psychic parasite and restore his mind, and Durnan quickly put the creature down. After a night's rest, Volo thanked our heroes profusely, but admitted that he over-exaggerated the funds with which he was to reward them. Instead of gold, he offered the four of them with a deed to an old property known as Troll Skull Manor. And so ended the second session of our simple troop. Our third episode was much less eventful and saw the characters exploring their new home. The manor was a run-down, yet sizable three-story home built above an out-of-business tavern by the same name. It resided on Trollskull Alley, with a number of small businesses and shops. Akizi, Kara, Azareth, and Alara spent their first ten days fixing up the manor as best they could, and traveling the alley meeting their new neighbors. During this time, the group began to suspect that the manor was haunted, and so, while out and about, they inquired into the history of the area and tried to learn everything they could about the manor's past. First on their tour was Corellian's Crown, a three-story home where the top floor had been converted into a greenhouse. This quaint herbalist and remedies shop was run by Fala Le Flair, an aloof non-binary wood elf. Next was to the Bent Nail, a shop specializing in wooden furniture and weapons made by the proprietor Tally. Here, the new homeowners bought a table and a few chairs with the little money they had. Next, they dropped by Steam and Steel, a forge run by a pair of Janasi, Avi, a water genasi who gets along as an expert armorer, and his husband Embrik, a fire genasi who tends the forge proper. Together, the two sell any metal weapons and armor they can create. From there, the adventurers traveled to the Tiger's Eye, where they met the first neighbor they didn't quite see eye to eye with. Vincent Trench, a mysterious and secretive man, greeted them at the door and demonstrated his business of being a private investigator by showing that he already knew who they were. When asked about the history of Trollskull Manor, Vincent was tight-lipped and demanded payment for any information. This didn't sit well with the party, so they departed without doing business with him. Finally, they visited the Bookworm's treasure, a charming bookstore run by a gold dragonborn named Rishal the Page-Turner. Here, Alara bought a book on spirits, while Azeroth found a book that detailed a bit on the Trollskull manor's history. During their time renovating the manor, Kara received a psychic message from Vajra Safar, the current Blackstaff. Asking the party to meet her at Blackstaff Tower and inviting them to join the Grey Hands. The Blackstaff was the Archmage of Waterdeep and answered only to the open Lord L'Ariel Silverhand, while the Grey Hands was an alliance of adventurers that answered to the Blackstaff. Kara and Azarath realized that they had a mutual acquaintance in the Yawning Portal um, named Maloon War Dragon, who used to be a member of Force Grey. The two greatly respected the alliance and knew that joining the Grey Hands was the first step in joining Force Grey. The four of them met with Vajra at Blackstaff Tower and joined the Greyhands without hesitation. There they were sent on their first mission, to climb the side of Mount Waterdeep and meet with an old monk named Halam and learn what he knew. The climb was uneventful, uh, and meeting with the enigmatic monk was quick. Uh, Ilara attempted to bond with him by joining him in meditation, but the old man spoke only once to say, "'Evil's twin hides its face for now. Expect that to change before winter's end.'" Uh, later, back at the manor, Akizi was visited upon a, by a cat that spoke to her, speaking in a melodious male voice and inviting her to join the Emerald Enclave, an alliance whose sole mission was to protect the natural world from unnatural threats. Akizi set off to Falconmere, a sprawling and wondrous mansion that was home to an even more sprawling and wondrous garden. The man who had sent the animal messenger was Melanor Felbranch, the groundskeeper of Falconmere. Before given her first assignment, Akizi also met with Jareth Falcon, the lady of the estate and a noblewoman turned demigod. Jareth manifested as a disembodied voice, welcoming Akizi to the Emerald Enclave and bestowing upon her a charm of restoration, allowing Akizi a single use of the Lesser Restoration spell. With formalities out of the way, Melanor imparted upon Akizi the task of tracking down a living scarecrow that had been terrorizing the farms outside the city walls. And with that, we ended the third session. Uh, So again, I am sorry that the recordings of these two episodes weren't uh, usable. Uh, As far as I can tell, next week's episode was recorded without issues, so bear with us until then, um, and thank you for listening.